Welcome in everyone to 32 Beat Beyond the Tweets. My name is Zach Hajduk, and today I'm very excited to bring you a great conversation with Texans beat writer John Crumpler. If you didn't get a chance, make sure to check out our previous episode where the 32 Beat Writer staff gives you our season projections and my guys. You probably won't hear a more spirited debate anywhere else about Deuce Vaughn. Also, make sure to subscribe to our Patreon. It gets you access to our daily news summaries, which compiles all the tweets and information into one single source broken down by a team. It's only three bucks a month, and as I said before, it's used by top leaders in the fantasy and football industry, so I'm confident you will find that easily worth your money. You can check that out on our website, 32beatwriters.com. Now let's get on to the conversation. Hey everyone, today I have with us Houston Texans beat writer John Crumpler. John is the lead analyst for USA Today's The Texans Wire and host of another Texans podcast. If you're looking for him on Twitter or the site formerly known as Twitter, you can find him at John H. Crumpler. Welcome to the show, John. Zach, thank you for having me on, man. I I love what you guys are doing on uh, on X, as we now call it, uh, 32 Beat Riders. And I've heard really good things about the podcast. I, I do have to give a quick shout out. Ben Neugebauer, if you're listening, I, I one of your listeners, a good friend of mine, he he says great things about the show. Just wanted to give him a shout out here. But I'm excited to talk about the Texans with you today. Thanks. Yeah, we're super happy to have you on. And you had joined uh, Twitter Spaces with us. A week or so ago, maybe two weeks now, and uh, it was good to talk to you just briefly then. So thanks for doing that, and yeah, shout out to uh, your friend. I'm happy that uh, this is a you're the first person I've met that like has a friend that listens. So that's awesome to hear. (laughs) Um, Just uh, to start off here, though, tell us a little bit about yourself if you don't mind, and how you kind of came to cover the Texans and what that's been like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So again, guys, my name is John Crumpler. I am the lead analyst over at the Texans Wire. Uh, kind, of, kind of a funny story. I guess I started writing about football in college. And I, I do want to clarify, I'm not I'm not there every day on the beat. Um, I get to talk to a lot of people that do, but I, I definitely want to preserve that for them. Um, but I just started writing about football like 20, 2016, 2017. I got my first opportunity with the Cowboys Wire to do film breakdown stuff. Uh, so it was kind of doing longer pieces about that before uh, switching over to the Texans Wire to cover my favorite team in football and I've been there for this will be my fifth season covering the Texans I think and yeah now I got to serve as our lead analyst kind of worked my way up doing draft stuff and now uh, writing about the team and and kind of whatever capacity I see fit and interesting so all right yeah yeah five years that's a good time to get familiar with everything and you've been you know, through some interesting stuff, I'm sure it's nice to be in a position where at least, I mean, yeah, you have a rookie and a first time, excuse me, a rookie quarterback and a first time head coach here. But, you know, it seems like things may be a little more stable than they've been the past couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, tell me about just new head coach D'Amico Ryans. Uh, he had a very good defense over in San Francisco. What do we expect from him this year? What's his role going to be? How's everything else going to work out on that coaching staff? Just tell us a little bit about that. I mean, to say things have been – that things are more stable than they have been is almost an understatement. It has been an absolute mess in Houston the past few years. I mean, essentially as soon as David Coley was hired, and we go back to after Bill O'Brien was fired in season and then 
Um, you know, we hired David Culley, Deshaun Watson essentially requested his trade right afterwards. And since then, it's been a bit of a mess in Houston and uh, a roster that they did not value draft picks when Bill O'Brien was the general manager and a team that because of that, ultimately, when things came crumbling down, it's been like an expansion franchise. So this year is a, a bit of fresh air where Houston has a lot of real NFL players. And for the first time in two years after Lovey Smith last year, uh, a believable head coach. I think people really appreciated Lovey and that he was able to kind of steady the ship and bring a professional presence to that after um, kind of continuing what David Coley had done. But D'Amico Ryans was one of the, the hottest candidates on the coaching market and for good reason. I mean, everyone you talked to, we were interviewing uh, former Texans linebacker Brian Cushing this week. And he's mm. like, you just know whatever D'Amico Ryans decided to do, he would succeed at and he's decided to coach and he just he has that energy that presence about him that makes it believable that winning football is going to come back to houston mm. yeah that's super encouraging yeah you you had a couple of weird years like you mentioned and it's good to see that and i really do hope that it, it works out for them there uh we mentioned that he led a, a top defense over there in san francisco you added will anderson at pick three this year uh, and then you had pick three last year with Derek Stingley. What do you think we can see out of this defense with those guys hopefully becoming a real key part of that? And uh, will they have to be the unit you think that helps keep this team competitive if, uh, you know, since we have a rookie QB under center? I mean, I think that if Houston is going to have a unit that is very good or elite, it, it would it would be the defense by virtue of the draft resources that have been pumped into it, the free agents that have been brought in. And of course, the guy running the ship, D'Amico Ryans. Last year, um, Houston was pretty putrid on defense. And a, a big part of that is that Lovey Smith's scheme and general defensive philosophies were a bit dated for how the league is today. They ran more cover two on third down than, in, than anyone else in the league by a pretty significant mm -hmm. margin at that. So I think there's some excitement that a guy like, like you mentioned, Derek Stingley, can he take a step forward you know, I don't think anyone's going to expect him to do what Sauce did last year. But, hey, can he make that gap, that gap a lot more narrow than it looks right now? Can a second-year player, Jalen Petrie, a safety for the Texans, he had 140 tackles last year. Can you make that, – that number might come down, but can you really take advantage of his presence there and not force so much to the back end? Um, and of course, of Will Anderson, you've got Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins at the, at the defensive tackle spots. Uh, I think it has the chance to be the strength of the team overall. Uh, the question is just going to be how those pieces fit together. And a lot about the linebacker group, because once once you get to that next level, when you get to that secondary with Stingley, Petrie, Steven Nelson plays the opposite corner. They've got Desmond King in the slot. Jimmy Ward was brought in from San Francisco in free agency mm -hmm. to kind of teach the guys how D'Amico's system works and to kind of bring some stability to that other safety spot. That secondary is loaded. So it's just can the front seven, which has been really the hallmark of D'Amico Ryan's two years in San Francisco, can they step up to meet that real talent level in the back? Because if they do, it, it could be a special unit. Yeah, I, I really hope that works out because that'll definitely give CJ Stroud, who we'll get into here, uh, you know, a little bit of extra leeway to learn and, and lean on somebody that's uh, not just uh, not just him. So what have we learned just from this team overall, this offseason and from the past two preseason games? Uh, what what have you taken away so far? Yeah, so 
hard hard to have any too big of takeaways from the preseason. Of course, calls are vanilla on both sides of the ball. That's especially true defensively. We're not going to see um, any of the hallmark uh, D'Amico cards, essentially, with the things that he can scheme up. But I think overall, you're encouraged that this looks like a different football team. So offensively, um, and I wrote about this this week, but they've doubled the amount of motion that they use from last preseason. Like they're nearly running as much in the preseason as Miami is right now. And Miami, Miami ran motion on 78% of their plays last year, while Houston was around 53% last year. So you're hoping, okay, is this going to be a more, when they pull out the full playbook, is this going to be something that looks a lot more like modern NFL offenses? Of course, they brought in Bobby Sloak, his offensive coordinator, and he, he is here to run that Kyle Shanahan type system, those same principles in Houston. Um, and can it be a little more dynamic offensively? Because I think we have a good idea of who D'Amico Ryans is on that side of the football, but not as clear what that offense could look like. And the early returns through the preseason say, hey, there's some of the schematic diversity, diversity of personnel groupings. Uh, they're using Andrew Beck, a name uh, I don't know if everyone knows, but he's a he's a tight end slash fullback for the team. They signed him in the first few days of, pre of free agency as a priority signing. And they're using him in a lot of different ways. They can shift him out of the backfield to tight end or vice versa. And I think there are, people are excited about what that unit could look like just in terms of how vanilla it's been for the last two years. And then, of course, I think the biggest takeaway from the preseason is that C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson have flashed in the way that you would hope. C.J. Stroud, obviously a very rough first preseason outing. The national media had a field day with the interception he threw against the Patriots. <laughs> they Probably always too do. A field day. But I think last game you saw what C.J. Stroud was billed to be at the next level. You saw someone with plus mobility, pinpoint accuracy, good timing. Um, and, of course, again, still a small sample size, one half of football. But there were some routes, particularly a third-round conversion to – uh, a third down conversion to Robert Woods that I thought was very impressive. A few throws on the run to Noah Brown. And you're like, okay, I can see how this might, this how this is going to look when it gets to the NFL level um, in the regular season. And then, of course, you've got Will Anderson, who I think everyone saw. He, he tackled the running back and the quarterback on the same play this week. Um, <laughs> elite get-off speed, elite strength. They've been raving about him in camp. I think there's a reason that they traded up for him to kind of be the future and the leader of their defense. And you saw a flash of that against the Miami Dolphins on Saturday. Yeah. With any luck, you guys have your two uh, cornerstone pieces there on each side of the ball. So we can uh, certainly look for that and hope those guys continue to develop CJ Stroud specifically uh, pick two overall out of Ohio state. What's the best thing personally that you think that he brings to the table um, and what evidence have we seen of that so far, either in camp or from these uh, little bit of uh, preseason game? Uh, yeah, if it's OK, I'll, I'll actually talk about two things that the coaches yeah. have been raving about. So number one, and I think this was true through the pre-draft process, is that C.J. Stroud is just deadly accurate. He can put the ball wherever he wants to. He his timing and his precision um, when he goes to pass, it is it is a beautiful thing. We even had the offensive coordinator, Bobby Slug, yesterday talking about there are just balls where you're like, wow, like it's there. The defensive right. coordinator even commented, you know, that there's nothing you can do about some of them. And that's that's the kind of passer that you needed that you were hoping to get with C.J. Stroud. And the early reports in training camp are definitely encouraging that, OK, we got who we thought he was at Ohio State in this mm -hmm. way. 
And then the next thing that I think is really encouraging about CJ is he's just, he's been a sponge at Texans camp. I mean, you go back to, to rookie training camp the first few weeks, uh, the defensive coordinator, Matt Burke, he comes up and he says, CJ will, will come up to me and ask, hey, I've never seen that coverage shell before. What is this? Um, the guys just, it, of course, and it's a big transition from the Ryan Day, Ohio State offense that I think, I think it mm-hmm. probably limited him mobility wise. It didn't ask him to do that. But it also was a little more simple schematically, not a lot of things under center as what Bobby Slowick would like to do uh, in Houston now. Of course, you had, uh, you had Damian Pierce referring to Bobby Slowick's playbook as the size of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's an expansive system that they want to use. So you've got a guy who does he, – he makes hard throws look easy, and he's willing to learn. And I think that's what guys are really excited about in Houston with him right now. Yeah, that playbook comment is interesting. We know that that Shanahan system can get a little wordy and things like that. So hopefully mm-hmm. that's not too much of a uh, thing to overcome. And it's good to hear that CJ Stroud seems to be picking that up and very much uh, wanting to learn. Uh, yeah, yeah, deadly accurate. We we also saw, I think, the same comments last year just about uh, when Justin Fields, or was that the year before, rather, uh, they don't seem to require their quarterbacks to run a whole lot in that Ohio uh, offense. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does on the move now in the uh, running back room. Since you brought uh, Damian Pierce up here, what does that look like? I, so when we saw Devin Singletary brought in, I was like, okay, you know, they invested a fourth round pick last year, which is a little, you know, that's not nothing to spend on a running back, but it's also not a lot, you know, Damian Pierce had about almost a thousand yards last year. And uh, I think, it might have only been about four touchdowns, but he seemed to be pretty productive. But they brought in Devin Singletary, and I was like, oh, man, that's a pretty big hit to what we expect maybe his production to be. But that seems not to be the case, at least so far, with how they've treated that room in the preseason uh, with Pierce sitting out quite a bit of it, which indicates mm-hmm. to me they're trying to keep him healthy and fresh. Uh, is that a correct assessment, or or what do you see? I mean, they really love what they have in Damian Pierce. I mean, you talked about last season. This is a guy who almost certainly would have had a thousand yard season if he's not held out of the last few games after an injury to say, all right, we know what we've got here. Let's let's save it for next season. They did sign Devin Singletary uh, to a one year contract. But you look at that and and to me, when it happened and what it showed through, that was a, a priority backup contract. They like what they have in Singletary as a a complimentary piece. But Pierce has the opportunity in Houston to be the guy. I mean, in his first press conference this year, he talked about, hey, you saw what someone like Christian McCaffrey did in this system. And I want to do that. He's been working on his pass catching um, basically throughout the entire offseason. And I think he has a chance to be the featured back in Houston. Uh, I do think Devin Singletary has a role. Um, absolutely. He's valuable on passing downs. I think they want to keep Pierce healthy above all things. It doesn't matter how tough he runs, how, I mean, just fabulous his contact balance is if he can't stay fully on the field. So I think they want Singletary to be able to spell Pierce at times. But by all accounts, uh, I would agree with your assessment that Pierce is the guy in Houston, has a chance to maybe like a 70-30, 60-40 split on that backfield. Um, and they're really going to run everything through through their run game and through him. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that does seem to be one of the things that we've learned just through these first couple of preseason games, and that really did change my opinion. 
what we've also seen through the last couple of preseason games is some exciting stuff from uh, a couple of the wide receivers, particularly uh, the rookie Tank Dell or Nathaniel Dell, uh, as his proper name is. You guys selected him in the third round, and uh, he's looked pretty good. You wrote an article, uh, which we can plug here uh, at the end. I think the title was, I want to get this correct on the Texans wire. Uh, Texans passing game sparks optimism from preseason results. So check that out, everybody who's listening. Uh, you had a good article breaking all of that Maybe. stuff down. But, um, <clears throat> you know, he's 5'10", 165. Honestly, I was a little bit skeptical about how effective he maybe could be. But we've seen a lot of wide receivers starting to get lighter. I mean, this class was not exactly a heavy, uh, you know, heavy wide receiver class by any means. And uh, he's been pretty good so far. And that uh, interception that C.J. Stroud has was a target where uh, Tank Dell had just totally broken. I think, I think I don't know if the guy fell down or just was nowhere near Tank Dell. He ran an excellent route. Um, what do you, what, what is the, the season so far, the offseason, look like for Tank Dell? What do you think he's going to do as a rookie this year? And uh, what's his role going to be on this offense as a guy who's not exactly a big body? Yeah, I mean, I was similarly skeptical when Tank Dell was selected. I think there are more examples of people his size not working in the league than there are of players who go on to be great. But the Texans had a lot of confidence when they took Tank Dell, uh, led the FBS in receiving yards last season. And by all accounts, ever since he's got in the building, it's it's been really good from Tank. Uh, D'Amico kind of chirped him last week about stop, stop shredding our defense. Um, and he has been the explosive playmaker that they drafted him to be. Um, yeah, great showing in the first preseason game. He looks constantly open. I think now what's left to see with Tank Dell is what does this look like when we get into the regular season and just how much is what's his usage going to be? I mean, when you look at the depth chart the Texans put out, they list a two receiver depth chart because they like Andrew Beck. At fullback, which can be and he can be flexed to tight end too, like we talked about earlier. So they've got Tank Dell pretty firmly as that third guy when you've got Robert Woods and Nico Collins on the sidelines, um, playing your X and your Y. But Dell, I, I, they have a plan for him. They know how explosive he is. There's of course some concern what's going to happen when you start to press Tank. And I would say that this offense is planning to use motion and some other devices to make sure that you don't really get a chance to to cleanly interrupt Tank Dell's routes. Um, I, I think he has a chance to be the most explosive receiver for the Texans easily. And I think everyone's just waiting now to see what that target share might look like for him. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to see. Will we see much of them in the this next preseason game on Sunday? So uh, D'Amico has said that the starters will play the first two series for them. Okay, so maybe we'll get a tiny, tiny bit of information then. Uh, the rest of the wide receiver grouping there, uh, you brought in Robert Woods from Tennessee last year. He did play 17 games, but uh, was about uh, 53 receptions for 527 yards, I think it was, and a couple of touchdowns. Nico Collins last year, uh, 10 games played 482 yards and a couple touchdowns and then i think people forget about the fact that john mechie is actually on this roster as a second overall or not second overall second round pick last year out of alabama he was recovering from was it a blood cancer i'm, I'm trying to remember exactly leukemia. what it was that held him out yeah. leukemia okay so what uh what can we expect from those three guys this year and have you seen I, i'm especially curious about john mechie because we just haven't seen anything from him yeah so um, I'll start with Robert Woods. He was obviously signed 
um, pretty early by Houston, actually before the free agency period started after he was let go from the Titans. And they brought him in with some pretty clear objectives. They wanted to get him back into a similar system to what he ran with uh, the Rams back when he was one of the most I mean, dominant receivers in the league, um, working in tandem with Cooper Cup in that group. And they brought him in to run really good routes and block, do Robert Woods things. And by all accounts, that's what he's been so far. He's a reliable presence. He's run 100% of his routes from the outside so far this preseason, sat out the first game, played with the starters the second game. Uh, I think he's a known commodity and someone they trust to play his role. Uh, Nico Collins, obvious third-round pick out of Michigan. He hasn't been what Houston would hope so far, and a large part of that's been he's been injured. But this is a guy who every season I think has looked noticeably better when he gets on the field. And it's hard not to be excited because Houston right now, I think they have some guys who can do things in space like Tank Dell. They have reliable route runners, um, Noah Brown, Robert Woods, but they, they don't really have a lot of um, explosive vertical players. And Nico Collins projects as someone that can stretch the defense, that if you want to see C.J. Stroud uh, throw the deep ball, which he did so well at Ohio State, there's a good chance he can be that guy uh, for Houston's offense. And they're moving him around, too. They're trying to find matchup advantages for someone who is uh, 6'4", a big-bodied, strong receiver. Uh, you saw him running routes out of the backfield this past week. And then you talk about John Mechie. I think right now they're kind of easing him back into football, obviously went through a lot to, to be back on the field in that experience. I think expectations are tempered for him, but with the way that Houston's receiver group is designed, you see some people in front of him, such as a Noah Brown, a Robert Woods, that I think as John Mechie comes along, he'll have a chance to work his way up the depth chart and kind of um, – you know, get snaps from those veterans, uh, depending on how the season goes. Okay. Do you think that's mostly still health related or in just the fact that he wasn't around for much football or anything, of course, activity last year? I don't think it's like he's completely healthy. I think it's more so he needs more time to be playing football and the guys in front of him have just been in the league or offer a different, like a different skill set at this time. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Uh, moving over to the tight ends, and you brought up Andrew Beck, that fullback tight end uh, guy there, which I frankly don't know a ton about. But uh, you mentioned on your last podcast, it seems that they're going to be using a lot of multiple tight end sets, or at least so far in the preseason, they've been one of the heavier usages from what we can gather per next-gen stats, I think you referenced. Um, they brought in Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys, and last year for them, he had uh, he played about 15 games. 57 receptions, 577 yards, and five touchdowns. We've seen like an 800-yard season from him the year previous to that as well. How does the tight end room look? Do they have a lot of heavy tight end usage? You mentioned they're going to run a lot of like two wide receiver sets, two tight end sets as well. Yeah, I think we'll definitely see some two tight end sets, and I think your base, if, if they have to pass on third down, we're going to see a lot of 11 personnel. And in that grouping, it's going to be Dalton Schultz as the receiving tight end. Uh, he was brought in on a pretty lucrative one-year deal, I think $9 million, with the opportunity to hopefully play his way to a big extension after this year. And uh, a lot of people on the beat think that Dalton Schultz could lead this team in targets. Um, he's been frequently looked at by C.J. Stroud. I think you saw on Saturday against the Dolphins when the pressure came in hot, um, he looked at Schultz immediately for the check down, and he could be that um, reliable kind of blanket for a rookie quarterback uh, to go when he needs him. And Schultz is, he's a very consistent receiver. He's a good space finder. And we're all kind of excited to see what that looks like this year and what kind of production he can have with 
helping C.J. Stroud's development. Behind him, Andrew Beck plays a unique role because he can go to the fullback, and this is a team that is going to love running the football and expects to do it very well. This is the most expensive offensive line in the NFL this year, and for good reason. They want to they want to protect C.J. and they want to run the ball. That's a big part of the identity in the Shanahan offense. So Beck is a receiver. Um, I, I think he'll be – He'll, he'll be a part of it, but I don't think it's a huge role. And then behind both those guys are, are really tied in too would be uh, Tegan Gatoriano from Oregon State, who was drafted day three last year. They liked what we saw during the rookie year, and he's kind of the next man up after Schultz in the receiving game. Okay. Yeah, the, you mentioned it's interesting that you mentioned the offensive line being the most expensive in the NFL. Uh, how do you think they'll fare just overall? Uh, I think according to Sharp Football Analysis, for what it's worth, they were ranked maybe 19. But of course, that's really hard to look at going into the season. And they could certainly perform better than that. That would certainly be important, as you mentioned, for C.J. Stroud. Do you expect them to maybe even play above that? That I mean, they better play better than the 19th <laughs> offensive line. And a big part of that is they have brought in changes. So they brought in um, right guard Shaq Mason from Tampa Bay. That was a contract yeah. that the Buccaneers could not afford to pay anymore. And the Texans were the beneficiary for a late day three pick. They brought in one of the most consistent guards in football. And that's someone they're expecting um, to kind of lock down that right side next to Titus Howard. Um, there have been three um, – very expensive extensions on this line. So of course everyone knows about Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. He, he cashed into $25 million a year. Titus Howard on the right side was their first round pick in 2019. And he played really well last season. Um, and I think he deserved that extension that he got um, came. It was about three years with $18 million per year. And Shaq Mason, after they brought him in from Tampa Bay, was given a three year extension as well at $12 million per year. So that's where the money comes from. Okay. And then the rest of it's just about these rookies on the inside. So, or one rookie in particular. So they drafted Juice Scruggs in the second round out of Penn State. It was a little higher than people thought Scruggs was going to go, but I think they really valued um, his his ability to play in this system and what it asked for the center. I think they were very high on Scruggs. That's why they went ahead and got him. And then, of course, at left guard, they took King and Green at 15th overall last year. And King and Green was one of the worst guards in football for when he, the start of last year. And it got better. Um, of course, by the end of the year, it was not that bad. But are you hoping, okay, can King and Green at least be average? Or what right. happens if he starts to play to um, the draft capital he was giving? You know, when you took him 15th overall, you said, this is going to be a set it and forget it left guard, someone who is dominant in the run game and has room to grow as a pass blocker. Um, I, I think they're expecting some growth from Green. They've got three guys that I just talked about who they've extended and they think are known commodities. And then it's up to it's up to Juice Scruggs to see what he can do at the center position so far. Um, they've been very complimentary of Scruggs and how he's played in the preseason. But you never know until you see it in a full game against NFL starters. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we've seen much of the starters uh, from the offensive line fully together in the preseason either. So probably hard to get a judge of that. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned before, week one. So a lot of investment there. Hopefully they can protect uh, C.J. Stroud and their investment in the second overall pick. If uh, if you were going to say what we need to look at for the the remainder of the preseason here, we've got the New Orleans Saints this Sunday. You said that we should see a couple series from the starters, at least on offense. Uh, I don't know if that also applies to defense, but what things are you looking to see what should we be paying the most attention to? What what might we be able to gain uh, 
leading into the season here? Uh, I think we're looking to see C.J. Stroud score a touchdown. He had some really good throws um, in this past game, and I, I think there were things that happened uh, that were not his fault for why those drives stalled out. He and Dalton Schultz had a miscommunication on if Schultz keeps running his route towards the end zone, almost certainly a touchdown. You had Noah Brown drop a third down conversion. Um, you had all pro cornerback Xavier Howard just made a hell of a play on what was kind of a pick route by Noah Brown to stop what I, I thought it was a really good play design from Bobby Slowick. So this, I want to see more of what we saw last week against Miami um, from CJ Stroud, which is accurate passing in rhythm, more of that mobility on display and kind of seeing what, what this offense is going to look like schemed up. And one of the biggest things to watch for might be Tank Dell. How do they use him with the starters? He missed last game when CJ Stroud played a full half. And he, I mean, he barely got to play with Stroud during the first game when he only threw four passes. So I'm excited to see Dell's use with this starting group and maybe get a glimpse of what that role might look like. So those are the two guys I would keep an eye on for their game on Sunday. Okay, good information to have there uh, as we go into Sunday then. If you had to give me a season win total for this group, what would it be? Vegas has it, depending on where you look, at about six and a half. They do play the NFC South, and they have, at least again, according to Sharp, a seventh overall uh, easy strength of schedule. So hope maybe a little bit, you know, of extra juice there for them. Would you say that's a good number? Or are you going over that, under that, if you had to project that? I think the line is exactly where it should be. I think six and a half is about the right number. Uh, this is a six or a seven win team. I, I'll take them for over right now because I do have a lot of faith in, I mean, they've just pumped in a lot of talent to this team through the draft the last two years, through free agency. And you've got, it's the D'Amico Ryan's effect. There's no way to say it, but I expect this to be um, one of the NFL's better units defensively. And this is an offensive system that a lot of guys have had success in and they have the line and the running back to make it work really well. Okay. All right. So hopefully, yeah, I think that sounds like a reasonable line. You know, they do have a rookie quarterback. And so even if you see some really promising things, doesn't necessarily mean it comes with a ton of wins, but Hey, uh, if you can get that, I think he can be happy this year, and and hopefully we do. So I always give everybody an opportunity at the end of these interviews to jump a little bit on a soapbox, if you will. Uh, I don't know if you had too much time to think about that, but is there anything about this team or about uh, just opinions that people have on the team in general that you are, you know, you've been feeling and, and would like to to give us a little bit extra on? Here? Yeah, Um I do actually have one from yesterday because ESPN published their first mock draft of the year before the NFL season. Ooh. And they have the Arizona Cardinals picking one and two. This uh, this oh, is yeah. which means, of course, that that would require Houston to finish with the second worst record in the league or the first best or the first worst. Uh, this this is not a bottom five team. I don't think this is a team that's going to surrender a top five pick to Arizona this year. I think the schedule, like you've talked about, is very friendly towards them. This is a huge upgrade on both sides of the ball in coaching talent, especially bringing D'Amico Ryans in. And there's just there's there's a little more talent than people realize in terms of young pieces. And I think if even a few guys start to step forward in the direction uh, that you would expect with where they were drafted, that things could start to come together pretty quickly for them. I, I don't think it's a playoff year for Houston. I think they're too young at quarterback and some other key positions, frankly, they need more playmakers at wide receiver, 
but I also don't think this is a team that's given a top five pick to the Arizona Cardinals this year. So I'll be excited when, uh, when mock drafts kind of phase that out in a few weeks here. Okay. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. It'd be fun. And I'm sure Houston fans would, uh, you know, be excited about not picking in the top five again either. So <laughs> we're ready. Uh, for you. Well, 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 let's be clear. I'd love to pick in the top five with Cleveland's pick. So there you go. Please Cleveland. Please, Deshaun, give us give us Marvin Harrison Jr. We we need it. That would be man. That the stories you could write about how that all worked out. Uh, not to get too far into that, but yeah, after the last couple of years you guys had, if Cleveland gave you a top five pick, I'm sure people would be dancing in the streets there. So pretty much. Um, you know, before we let you go, tell us where we can find you if you don't mind. Yeah, Zach, thank you again for having me on. Man, love the work you guys are doing. Uh, for anyone listening, you can follow me on Twitter or X at John H Crumpler. Uh, you can find all of my work uh, on the Texans Wire, and we have a great staff over there writing. That's texanswire.usatoday.com. Uh, and then additionally, on YouTube and on anywhere you listen to podcasts, at uh, it's called Another Texans Podcast. And we recently just interviewed um, former first-round pick linebacker Brian Cushing for the Texans, and that, that was a lot of fun. So definitely check that out if you're interested. Yeah. All right, guys, make sure to check out all his work, like he said, and then listen to him over there, wherever you get your podcast. John, thanks again for joining us. And we really appreciate your insight. Of course. Thank you for having me. Okay. So let's talk the fantasy implications. If we're being honest, almost all of the fantasy value on these players on this team is going to be from a dynasty perspective. If this team is only winning six or seven games, it's going to be hard for anybody to be any sort of consistently relevant, this year at least. That said, I do think there is one exception to that, and that is running back Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce is going to be the guy. Prior to a couple of weeks ago, I would have thought that Devin Singletary was going to be able to cut into that workload a little bit more. But with the conversation today and the things we've seen in the preseason, I'm much more comfortable with Pierce's workload. He's currently going as RB19 in best ball and 18 in a redraft like Sleeper. That is uh, the primary, you know, RB dead zone area. And it's just one of those things, you know, he'll have opportunity, but it's going to be a bad offense probably, even if CJ Stroud is promising. But he does seem to be talented. Last year, he finished right in that position uh, around RB19 in points per game. I personally think CJ Stroud and what uh, we hope to be a better schemed offense can be at least as good as Davis Mills was last year. So I do expect Pierce to be a decent RB2. I just I don't know how much upside you're going to get on a weekly basis. So you can draft him where he's going right now if you feel comfortable with that. For the other guys, I'm mostly only looking at Dynasty, and I'm primarily interested in wide receivers John Mechie and Tank Dell particularly. Tank has a bit of hype now, though, going through the preseason, so you may struggle to buy him at what I'd believe a reasonable price should be. If I could pay a third, I happily would, but I think that most people are going to ask for a late second now, and I don't know. If you're confident that it would be late next year, I can see you making that trade as most second-rounders don't tend to hit anyways, and he has looked somewhat promising, but follow your own gut on that. For John Mechie, we can't forget that this guy was a second-round pick. From what John said, he has a way to go, but if he can show anything to this new regime, perhaps he carves out a role and has a significant one next year. 
you should be able to get him for a third round pick and a bag of chips, and I would gladly stash him if I had room on my roster for that price. Thank you all again for listening, and if you like the show, please rate and review the podcast, and do me a personal favor if you don't mind, tell somebody about it, share it, talk to a friend about it, that is the best way to help us grow, and the more that you help us grow, the more we can bring to you. It really does help us out a lot. Also, if you haven't already done so, check out our Patreon, as I mentioned at the top of the show. If you sign up for just 3 bucks a month, you'll get access to those daily news summaries, you'll get extra podcasts every once in a while. We're going to do them through to the end of training camp, which we're coming up on here. But we'll also be pumping them out all year round through the season, and we're planning to try to bring some extra special stuff for you guys in season and then going through to next as well. You can find those right on our website, 32beatwriters.com. We'll see you next time.